Freedom Jumper, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I am your host, James Jenkins, and this is episode 60, the big 6-0. Only five more episodes, and we're eligible for Medicare here at AFP. My guest for this episode is the man, the myth, the legend. It is Broker Brett. His birth name is Brett Fulmer. You know and love him as Broker Brett. This guy, man, he is just into about everything. I don't know how he sleeps or eats or has time for a family. He seemingly is everywhere from the insurance nerds to Fineo to a couple of other uh, associations and startups that he's into. This is a very interesting conversation because Brett really is a man of many talents. He is making the most of his time on uh, God's green earth. So in this conversation, we get all the way in uh, to his experience uh, with Fineo, with insurance nerds, and with the startup culture and the insurtech side of things. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and peel the curtain back just a little bit on some of the inner workings of the way that capital gets raised and the way some of these insurtechs operate behind the scenes. I certainly learned a thing or two, that's for sure. So as we get into the episode, same three questions uh, I will ask, or favors I should say, uh, ask for all of you out there. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. Drop us a review if that's something you're into, and most importantly, share AFP with someone who is still in captivity, someone you know that will benefit from the content that we deliver here. So sit back, relax, enjoy episode 60 with my guest, Mr. Brett Fulmer. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Freedom Jumpers? Welcome to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. My guest uh, for this episode, what is this? Is this 59 or is it 60? Um, let me double check here and see. I should have known this before we got started. Anyways, my bro my guess for whatever this episode number is, now that I've totally tripped over the start of things, is uh, Mr. Brett Fulmer, a.k.a. Broker Brett. Man, thanks for being here. This is uh, so off the cuff, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's fun. So, James and I talked on the phone super briefly before this, a couple LinkedIn chats, but this is about as early in the uh, relationship and conversation as it gets. It'll be fun to get to know each other on this. Yeah. I just checked. It is episode 59, actually. Cool. You know, like you'd it. think I'd have the numbers figured out by now. 
Man, uh, this is exciting because as as we've said on a few other episodes, you and I don't know each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're getting acquainted in real time right along with the audience. This episode is exciting for me because this really is just two guys who nerd out on the insurance world. Uh, From what I can tell, you are as serious about this as I am. You're a student of your craft. You're, You're deeply invested. On a, on a daily and moment-to-moment uh, headspace kind of level in in the practice of what you and I and our friends and peers are up to. You're all in on the insurance game. And so, anytime I get to talk with someone like that, I know it's going to be a fun conversation because you're the same kind of weird that I am in, in that you found an industry and you decided this is your thing and you're just all in, man. Yeah, it's fun. And I've uh, even been spoiled lately to help a couple startups. And thank you for having me on. Um, it's a cool industry. You, you're generally taking care of people when you do it right. You can make a really good living. I think it keeps everything moving along. Uh, I joke that I'm generally well-liked by people. So, I sell insurance to kind of help balance that out. Plus, you know, same reason I like being a Celtics fan around Los Angeles. It's just more fun to go against the grain. Um, yep. But yeah, happy accident industry. feel very fortunate to have found my way here. What uh, what do you think is going on with the finals here with your Celtics fans? You can't throw something out like that and expect me to not take the bait. I mean, as we record this, it's in the middle of the NBA finals here in June. I think they're going to be all right. Um, I want to say a little bit of home cooking, but the road team never wins two first games in the finals. So I think the boys will be all right. It's a... Uh, it's interesting because you got the Warriors who are a little long in the tooth and pretty young. And then you got the Celtics who are just getting right into that nice middle. So we'll see if they can, uh, you know, beat Big Brother. You know, they've done it a couple times so far this finals run. It'd be fun to see if they can get all the way there. I, I'm just glad to have this opportunity to have an entertaining finals. It's when I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not a Celtics fan. I'm certainly not a Warriors fan after their <laughs> ridiculous run of success. It almost feels like they've cheated a little bit because they had that one bad year yeah. where they end up in the lottery and, you know, parlay that that pick to get Andrew Wiggins. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a second. Real Warriors, you're not supposed to get Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> That's totally unfair. And and here they are. So uh, for this one, I'm I'm a proxy Celtics fan. I guess cool. you could say we'll take it. It's like yeah. I'm always going to pick the underdog if I don't have a particular dog in the fight. There we go. So man, um, I don't know how we uh, how we pivot back from basketball to uh, doing the the work of this episode, other than for me to just hand you the microphone and say. Help our listeners understand Broker Brett, the persona of Broker <laughs> Brett, because it's almost like a caricature. Yeah. The, the Broker Brett thing, where did that come from? So, and then I think I can pivot it because I'll do the basketball thing for a second. Um, I coached a little bit. I love the game. I always joked as a point forward before LeBron, you know, bring the ball out, pass, set some yeah. screens, play from the high post. Okay. Um, it's such a good individual and then team sport because you're responsible for yourself, you're responsible for the guy you're guarding, but you have to work together too. And it's yeah. kind of chippy too. I think it's a great, you know, pre-sales sport to be involved in. Um, yeah. And, and basketball is actually the only sport I've ever played competitively. So oh, wow. uh, it's nice. near and dear to my heart too. Perfect. You can't tell because I'm sitting down, but I, I'm about six and a half feet tall. So uh, I'm genetically predisposed to like basketball, I think. Yeah, they threw me in the post early. I'm like just like six, three and change. There you um, go. But okay. So 
I guess it'd be helpful, you know, liberal arts major, not the most academically inclined, hit the real world. Um, yeah, work construction for a year. You know, my dad's making six figures in the pool or playing golf by three o'clock each day in sales. I forget about the early grind. Um, so I'm like, okay, sales seems like the way to kind of independence. You know, I grew up in Placentia, which is kind of blue collar town next to Yorblinda, a lot of small business owners. See, they're living pretty good. Um, it's just what I knew. So I ended up selling copiers for a year, ended up working with my family at a moving company for six years, selling office relocations. So it's almost like I had a whole other life. Um, you know, part of the LA Chamber of Commerce, uh, helped a startup actually there. And that kind of gave me the bug, a data visualization startup. So when I see my dad's not going to buy that company, um, they end up selling somebody else. I hop over to insurance, take a little personal lines role. And the way Broker Brett came about was because I couldn't get anybody to fill out any applications or documents. And I've always dabbled with like, you know, your Squarespaces, your GoDaddies of the world. And I just made forms basically, you know, backslash mm. home, backslash auto. And then I, I don't know how I ended up nerding out on the space so hard, um, but I ended up like blogging about a couple companies. For a minute, I was out of insurance. I turned it to Broker Gizmos. Then I switched it back to Broker Brett. Um, and for a minute, I tried to run the agency out of it, but it felt a little silly. So I started Newport Beach Insurance Center, but Broker mm. Brett always worked really well, industry facing. And a joke, it was just a lot of like, sure, you know, Tony Kanyas invited me to write an article for insurance nerds. I did it. You know, I ended up writing a couple. Uh, Nick Lamparelli invited me on to co-host the podcast and eventually took it over. Um, and it was a lot of just, sure, you know, and at the time, I, I didn't know there'd even be enough insurance people to talk to, you know. Yeah. And, Caught some founders really early. I've always been friends with like, you know, small business guys. My friends, I always joke that I'm friends with a lot of tiny sons of CEOs, you know, because they're always mixing it up, causing problems, having fun. And mm -hmm. I'm usually like the steady Eddie buddy. So I found myself clicking with a lot of the founders pretty well. And then, you know, stumbled upon Smart Choice, which has been great to get to traditional carriers and an awesome network to work through. You know, Fineo and I connected, you know, they needed somebody licensed in the States. And I was really happy to be able to, you know, be a part of the team and get us licensed in all 50 states. You know, at the time I had myself licensed in three states, had my own entity. So I had some experience, but, you know, a lot of it's staying open. Uh, a lot of it's leaning on the insurance nerds community, you know, and the last plug I'd want to throw out at the jump to is Marble kind of came up recently. They have a awesome policy wallet. They're out of New York, another really cool insure tech. And yeah, I've had a great time just trying to be a guinea pig who communicates about his experiences while learning the industry, you know, trying to write good business. You know, mm. sold my brother a condo and auto policy yesterday for Safeco. Uh, his agent dropped the ball and he finally gave me a shot, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, so trying Isn't to that the hardest yeah. one is winning yeah. your brother? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want anything, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm learning. I, I went from like ignorantly blissful and trying to write whatever I could to being scared to write business borderline and kind of nervous to finding that comfortable middle ground of check your admitted markets. If they don't want it, go not admitted, just be detailed, be helpful, you know, communicate well with your underwriters. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm really enjoying the game. And the, the one thing that I would like to throw out to the audience, whoever's listening or paying attention, you know, it's been so cool connecting with Fineo and Smart Choice and having a few ways to, stay in the game while I learn the craft too. You don't necessarily no. have to jump out the gate with it all figured out. Um, if you can just kind of stick around, there's something to being able to get more reps. You know, it's like a poker game. You know, you just mm -hmm. can't can't lose all your chips. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm really enjoying my experience so far and don't plan on going anywhere. 
Man, I got to say, you just dropped little <laughs> nugget after little nugget after little nugget. That, that is a lot of information of different, you know, verticals, different spokes of the wheel, so to speak, uh, for, for what you're up to professionally. I'd love to know how you keep all of that straight. It, you just described four or five different unique uh, <laughs> ventures that each of them could be a standalone career if you wanted them to be, but you're doing all of them simultaneously. What, what's your team look like? Are you a solo operator or do you have a, a team behind you? You know, it's weird. I don't know why we're wired this way, but I feel like my brothers and I, maybe it comes from having a commissioned salesman dad. And my mom was entrepreneurial too. Um, we'll get a lot of responsibility, but we don't tend to have people reporting to us or it's almost like we avoid it, you know. So we'll get a lot of leverage and be able to help. Um, I don't have a team. You know, I help out with compliance, some sales things for Fineo. Uh, for Smart Choice, I have you know five or six agents now that I've recruited, uh, which has been a really cool experience to be part of that organization. Um, you know, with Marble, it's as simple as being on their Slack, and if insurance you know questions come up or if they write an article, you know, hopping in and trying to help make sure it all makes sense. I blame and give credit to the insurance nerds community for a lot of this too, because whenever I'm over my head, you know, we got three thousand people in the Slack. They're just so generous. Um, that's the other thing I always want to give props to in our industry. Some of the nicest, smartest people I've ever, you know, got across paths with. You know, it's really cool how helpful we all are to each other. Now, you want to talk about an overwhelming tidal wave of content and information. It is that Slack channel for insurance nerds. <laughs> I've been on there. Don't get me wrong, dude. I love me some insurance. I, I'm a, a student of the industry. Uh, this is my place. I I will be in the industry for the rest of my career. I, I know it with 100% clarity. That channel stresses me the heck out, man. It's like there's so much and it's in one feed. Like you know, there's yeah. a couple of different little sub channels <laughs> or whatever, but that main channel, the, like the general channel, whatever you call it, it's like, holy crap. Like I left for a couple of days and I come back and there's hundreds of posts. Yeah. And un unlike Facebook that has some sort of algorithm that chooses what you get to see and what you don't get to see, every single post is in the feed. And you either read it or you intentionally skip it. But your, your eyes are going to find every single thing that <laughs> someone posted in that Slack channel. No, it's fun. Like, I try, I try to like be a little bit of an unofficial cat herder. I'm not even in there that much just because like you'd mentioned with everything going on, um, yeah, there's, there's a few things to keep track of in the day to day, you know, don't run out of activities for sure. I've never seen a group with that many participants be <laughs> on Slack as the, the medium of communication. Yeah. It's like that, that takes some, uh, some determination. That, that takes some want to, to, to stay plugged in with everything on that feed. It's, it's like Reddit on steroids. You know, it's fun. Um, I feel so fortunate. Like, I always think without insurance nerds, you know, not, nothing wrong with it, but just be cubicle, regular job, you know. And I feel yeah. very lucky to be touching a couple things at this point. Yeah. Man, there are so many things that I see here on screen. I went to, I didn't, didn't know this was your website, but I just typed in brokerbrett.com to yeah. see, hey, does he have brokerbrett.com? <laughs> and what do you know? He has brokerbrett.com, B-R-E-T-T. Uh, just in case you're wondering, there is uh, two T's, not one. Uh, but you've got insurance needs, getting into insurance, insure tech conversations, carrier access, and content creation. You call yourself an insurance broker, a carrier access provider. I'm guessing that's through the Smart Choice Network. 
mm-hmm. a startup yeah, advisor yeah. and a contact creator. And Fineo too as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are so many different directions that we could take this conversation. I'll let you decide which one you uh, want to spend our valuable time on here together. You got four roles up there. Which one of those is top of the pile right now? Insurance broker, carrier access provider, startup advisor, and content creator. Which one, which hat are you wearing most often right now? I would say, admittedly, content creators probably taking the furthest backseat. Because I always say I try to be out there enough to open doors, but my goal isn't just to kind of make noise. You know, you still want to build effective, you know, you know, profitable companies. You still want to be successful. And it's been such a value add to be known in the community. But at the end of the day, like I'd love the brokerage to pay my bills. I'm really enjoying, you know, being in different offices through Smart Choice. Um, I am a PNC guy. I've sold a dozen life policies at this point, but it's been really cool trying to sharpen my sword for Fineo and get to know that side of the ecosystem. Um, some really meaningful conversations that I actually think is helpful for the PNC guys too. You know, we were talking about kids, family, income, you know, and then startup advising is just kind of natural. Uh, the thing I have to be careful with is if I get involved with the company, I really get involved with the company. I don't really have like a a neutral or a, I'm not great yeah. at being like, okay, I'll be available for 30 minutes a week, once a week for us to talk. You know, it's like, no, I'm around. If I can help, I'll help. The thing I would double click on is maybe the mindset of, you know, you, you don't have to go it alone, you know, whether it's insurance nerds, you know, whether it's smart choice, whether it's Fineo, if there's anybody out there who's a, a CSR, who's thinking about doing their own thing or a captive who's, kind of scared to go out of that shell. Nothing wrong with the captives. Some of the best producers have that institutional training. Um, yep. There are so many people that want to help. It's such a cool industry in that regard. I'm, I'm glad it's not the 1950s. Nothing wrong with that, but where we had like a main street and it was like there's 100 clients that we're fighting over. You know, been digitized. I mean, you can be as creative and reach as far as you want. And I would tell anybody out there, don't be afraid to try to get in the game, but also be conservative and figure out how you need to keep your lights on. And uh, you don't have to be an overnight success. You just have to be able to stay at the table. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. Whenever I find someone, and maybe we can camp out on this for a few minutes. We haven't really talked about life insurance much, um, really much at all in Mm. in the entirety of this podcast, most of which uh, because of uh, my lack of interest in talking about life insurance honestly mm-hmm. uh we we were a farmer's agency for 6 mm-hmm. years and i'm very good at selling life insurance uh i understand the tactics the flow of conversation I, I can navigate really well and i had a lot of success as a farmer's agent selling life and you know cross selling it and whatnot i just don't enjoy it at all yeah. it's not something i i i like um it's was described to me that uh PNC is a completely logical sale. Uh, mm-hmm. You have data on your side. You have statistics and probability and good risk management tactics on your side. With the life insurance sale, we're not talking about logic at all. You're not dealing with someone's brain. You're dealing with their heart. You're dealing with their emotional state. And statistics are not on your side. 98% of every term life policy ever sold cancels or completes without payment. Mm-hmm. So, it's, the whole process could not be more different. So, anytime I come across somebody and we had a rather lively conversation 
uh, with Joe Campert and some of his followers in another group uh, about the the merits of a PNC focused agent mm-hmm. uh, getting into life. I'd love to hear your take on it. I imagine I know which direction you're going to go since you're doing both of yeah. those things. Um, talk to me about about the the differences between life, the the sales cycle, the the ecosystem of life mm-hmm. insurance versus PNC first. Let's go there first, and then we'll we'll dive into some of this. And I want to put a disclaimer out there: be like, you know, not an expert, you know, an enthusiast who's trying to pay attention and learn as you go. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I joke. I used to freak out if I found out somebody had low like auto limits, and then I forgot about the person in the car. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's I a good point. Like- I don't want to say I feel like you're doing a disservice, but I've gotten to the point where if my friends get married, have a kid or buy a house, I at least just want to bring it up for my own mental, emotional well-being. And I like selling life as a PNC guy because I don't need to like lever it. I don't need to go for some whole value, you know, sorry, whole life, you know, cash value product or some IUL that may or may not, not make sense. I mean, I love to sell those. I want to learn how to sell those to small business owners and you know, for a retention tool, but that's a whole other topic. Um, you just want to get something in place. And then I do think for the scratch guys and the small guys who are growing, it's a way to be profitable year one um, because the staffing costs, leads, whatever else you're doing to bring that client through the door. If you can tack on that life, you know, you're making money up front. And I think it's a different conversation as well to your point. It's interesting. I mean, you're talking about family stuff. You're going deep. And, you know, when the Geico's and the progressives of the world are doing everything to bang down the door on cost, if you know about the family, you know, it's a great kind of blocking and tackling for you. And you'd mentioned the process, the emotional process. I've I've read some sales books. Um, I was like just to go back to be as polite and to the point as possible. And then my thought, it's funny, it might make sense on YouTube, is I'm not on this side of the table and they're not on the other side of the table. I want to figure out their motives, their likes, their wants, and I want to sit next to them and work together on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there may be some, you know, manipulation. You know, I've read How to you know, Win Friends and Influence People. I've read 48 Laws of Power. I've read like sales book. That It's good to be aware, yeah. but really I just try to have a conversation and you know, for instance, I have a friend, two kids, husband, and wife make, you know, hundred and ten and hundred twenty thousand dollars each, which is a good amount of money. They bought a five hundred thousand dollar term for each of them. Yeah, you know, I was like, you know, we talked about realistically, you're gonna mourn. It's gonna be a freaking hard time. I would not want to put myself mentally, emotionally in that state. Like I couldn't imagine it. Um, but they're both professionals. That'd be okay. You know, I didn't try to sell them some fat, ridiculous thing. I just made sure they had something in case break glass in case of emergency, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then other people do want to talk about the whole life products. And if I know they're maxing out their 401k and their Roth and, you know, maybe they own a small business, I want to learn how to level up to those other conversations. But today it's it's more of a peace of mind thing, you know, making a couple bucks up front. And it's cool too, because it helps me be a better agent for Fineo and more knowledgeable. I literally think I've sold 12 life policies, you know, so just getting my feet wet. So, what does that mean when you, it says uh, Fineo Ambassador is your title on their website? What does that mean exactly? <laughs> you mentioned, question. you know, market access. So, yeah. you're bringing people to the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in some sort of BD role. Uh, but beyond that, 
what is a uh, what does Fineo ambassador mean? Yeah. No, it's funny you ask it that way because Ali is a really smart guy, the the CEO, like second time founder. Um, he intentionally made it kind of amorphic so I could kind of do whatever we needed. And I joke, you know, with them, you know, with Marble. I'm like, I'm going for six man of the year. Like, I don't need to be the MVP. I don't need to be the guy in the middle of everything. But I want to like spot in, be helpful, bring some energy, solve some problems, build some relationships. Um, you know, I'll do some cold call and I'll do some simple stuff, you know, get the marbles out of my mouth and then I'll try to open up bigger opportunities that may be less obvious as well. You know, for instance, I'm friends with a couple people who run different commercial insurance platforms and I want to, you know, somehow put those two things together. I don't want to go into too many details. Um, but, um, you know, kind of look for unique opportunities for us as well. But it, it's meant to be kind of gray. You know, it's meant to allow me to help in a few different ways. So when you compare, first off, I think they're a Canadian company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of Toronto, okay. and then I'm in our office. I'll show you a little Canadian flag down here in Orange County. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got to say, it was such a strange and interesting experience. We were uh, on back when I was a farmer's agent. We won an incentive trip to Seattle, and uh, we went to a Mariners game, and they were playing the Blue Jays, and. It's the only, at that time, the only MLB team. The, the Expos didn't exist at that mm. time. It was the only MLB team in the entire country of Canada. And even though Toronto is like 2,000 miles away from Seattle, those fans travel hard. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's the only time I've ever heard the Canadian national anthem in an American cool. professional sporting event. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Oh, can- oh, Canada. We're in Seattle and Canada's 45 minutes from here. Weird. But cool. Yeah. It, it it was definitely a different like, wait, this is America. You don't sing another national anthem <laughs> here in America. Like, like my Deep East Texas got riled up for a second and was like, no, hold on. We're in Seattle. It's totally cool here. That seems like it's a normal thing for them to do that's when they play the Blue Jays. Uh, so Canadian company, mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, this is your opportunity to, to make people aware of Fineo because yeah. when I think of a digital life insurance broker. The two names that I'm somewhat familiar with, I don't personally use either of them. No experience. This is not an endorsement at all. Uh, is Ethos and Back Nine. Yep. Uh, those are the two that I have really any experience with of a, a digital life broker uh, since. Talk to me about Fineo. Uh, yeah. What? Why is Fineo a better option than some of these other names that might be out there? And and why did you pick them? of the other options for, you know, digital life, uh, broker, wholesaler. So I think our relationship, mine and Fineo's is about three and a half years old. And you have to think life insurance is probably five years behind PNC in tech in some ways. But recently I was talking to a very nice lady, uh, Denise Garth from Majesco and the life guys have been able to kind of leapfrog PNC a little bit because they saw some of our tech growing pains. They didn't have to go through the the middle layers of the world. I don't want to pick on any of these big publicly traded tech companies, but they skipped some annoying stuff that's happened in PNC. Um, and I'll give credit where credit's due. So Ethos, real simple platform, real direct. They're going to offer you policy no matter what. Might be a little bit less narrow. So it's sort of like rating everybody like a bad driver. I hope that's reasonably fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Back nine did a good job plugging into comparative raiders like easy links and kind of running with cases. You know, they're kind of a, like a local GA on steroids with some technology, very good insurance guys. I don't want to pick on anybody. I don't know if their tech had been as tight, but very good insurance guys. They know what they're doing. 
Um, Fineo's out of originally Vancouver, then Toronto. Uh, Canada has a very good computer science background, a lot of really smart people. You know, a lot of the top AI leaders are out of Toronto. It's a happy accident. You know, I'd be lying if, you know, I was sitting there with a bunch of opportunities like, I'm going to take this one. You know, luckily, my activity with insurance nerds got me on their radar. Um, I had later this month, actually, it's funny, I have it in my calendar as like Freedom Day. I got fired from a job four years ago and just was grumpy after a couple of bad setups and just started bartending more and got out on my own. It was with that independence that I was able to say, sure, you know, like I'll try to help you guys out. You know, I can help out with licensing. I've stood up my own agency. I've got a license in other states. I think I can do this as well. They had flown me out twice. First time was more of a get to know you, just meeting with everybody all day long. Ended up at a Orlando Magic Raptors game with Ali, the CEO. That's where he told me about the ambassador title and mm. how it was strategic to be a little gray. Uh, but That's cool. Yeah, I would say more lucky was, than uh, Was Drake there? He was actually. And funny story, <laughs> I don't know if Ali will mind me sharing this, but Drake's there. He's like, hey man, I got to go to this party afterwards. He's like... I would love to bring you, but I can't. I think Drake's going to be there. <laughs> you know, so he had this like, exclusive like Toronto party he was running uh-huh. off to. Um, I didn't pick him. You know, It was just very fortunate. I think my experience with PNC helped, though, because I thought what they're building seemed like a cover wallet, but mm-hmm. for life insurance agents, which I thought made a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And still is. like It's an agent-driven platform. You know, we can create landers where people can run their own quotes or even get their own uh, policies delivered direct to consumer, kind of like an ethos. Um, oh, nice. But so then you we have, have a, almost a quasi-QBI experience for the retail yeah, agent. exactly. And for the PNC guys, they could fire it up and then you know their clients could run the quotes themselves. Um, Very cool. But then we have the full suite too. So we do have an emailable fact finder that can come in, populate all the data, do the quote comparisons, do anything from simple term. We have like the simple rate. You still have to get the illustration, um, but whole life IUL products are loaded in there. So you can get more nuance too, where I think some of the other ones try to make it just a little one size fits all. A little um, two point and click. Yeah. Yeah. We still want the ball to be in the agent's hands, you know? And also I've been championing the PNC cross sell. We worked with Canopy Connect. We hang out with the better agency guys, you know, through Zapier, you can do a lot to connect systems. Yeah, um, for sure. No, Zapier say, is yeah. is everything as far as our tech goes. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, you know, like the I was talking to one of their their senior people was like, you know, Zapier makes you happier. It was like, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I could totally <laughs> see it. I love the catchy little tagline, yeah. um, and it's if it weren't for those kind of plug and play options. I I don't know if any PNC agent would be nearly as connected because Lord knows if it's up to me to code an API connection, yeah. I have no idea how to do that. I can talk about it conceptually, but as far mm-hmm. as getting in front of a of a command shell and you know entering code, it's like, good luck. Yeah, if that's what I have to do, I'm going to sell my agency tomorrow. So thank you, Zapier. Really appreciate yeah. you. Sponsored by Zapier. No, I um, I'm with you. I could I could. Put an iframe in, I can copy a line of code, I can redirect a server. Um, but yeah, anything more than that, I'm in over my head. But no, so yeah. Fineo kind of kept me independent, you know, full transparency. So I didn't have to run back and get another day job. You know, it it's set up in a way where I was able to touch a couple different things. And what I really like about that is like kind of cross-pollinating ideas. Um, the book Never Eat Alone, I want to say Keith, maybe Keith Green or something like that, but or yeah, Never Eat Alone. You know, that kind of plan and that network effect idea in my head early on. Um, you know, so many 
rough things happened due to COVID. I wouldn't want to say anything. Um, but like a silver lining was just networking across the country too. But yeah. when that started, I ended up having a couple Zooms with like some startup CEOs. The Ask Kodiak guys invited me to their happy hour. I had had some like, I called it like Young Gun and SureTech Talks where we just get younger producers that I knew. I'm 37 on a Zoom together and they'd just be throwing out cool things they were doing. You know, these guys are awesome. Guys and girls, you know, building scrapers, having automations. Like there's things that the cohort behind me is doing that comes naturally to him. That's so impressive. Um, yeah, I find myself in the middle. I got taught about sales by a bunch of tough, salty baby boomers and then, you know, can grab the tech enough to be dangerous. Man, you are name dropping like a champ. I love <laughs> just a sprinkling a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I'll be. I have to show some discipline here. But ask Kodiak was a very cool idea. I'm curious to see what happens now that the evil empire owns it. Uh, with you know, when Vertifor or Applied buys a company, their identity inevitably changes in some big way. Well, um, I'm curious to see how it works out for them. I promise I haven't been bought or paid off by the man at all. But what I've heard from a second or third source is they're in the back end. Imagine those two like mad scientists ripping out wires and replugging them in and doing different things. I think they're doing some triage and they're helping clean up house behind the scenes. Awesome. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. It it makes a lot of sense having a utility like Ask Kodiak be plugged in directly with, uh, with Ivan's. I'll leave my opinions on Ivan's for another day. Uh, How... (laughs) Well, I won't entirely leave them. I don't know how there hasn't been some sort of antitrust lawsuit brought against them for being the compendium of all carrier data in the way that they are. They have entirely too much power, too much access to data for my taste. I would prefer that it was a little bit more decentralized, but nobody asked me. Uh, It makes a lot of sense for Ask Kodiak with their uh, search engine capabilities Mm -hmm. to be so closely aligned with the company that owns Ivan's. Uh, that's another another topic for another day, obviously. I'm not going to ask you to <laughs> you know, put your foot in your mouth or say something that might make one of your colleagues or peers uh, unhappy if it gets back to them. But all, all that to say, it's very interesting anytime an acquisition of a known quantity goes down, like Aon buying cover wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, okay, well, what happens now? Because you know, the identity is going to change in some yeah. way. Similar, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too bad because I have some thoughts on that too. Um, 
But yeah, no, I think Mike and Allen are still Mike and Allen. They're causing some trouble behind the scene. I love those guys. Part of my silliness on Twitter and kind of having fun is knowing that it's a little bit of a stressful and dry industry. And the Ask yeah. Kodiak guys had a lot of fun. Um, and then I heard one time, um, it's kind of funny because it's controversial now, but Jack from Twitter was on with either Bill Simmons or Tim Ferriss. And you know they asked who's the best at Twitter. They said Elon because he knows it's not supposed to be serious. So you combine mm-hmm. that little bit with uh, the Ask Kodiak guys, and that's where some of my my silliness comes from. Yeah, Love and it. then I try not to be too programmatic. Like I enjoy the Celtics. I'll talk about whatever because I think if you're always on message, it can kind of get diluted. You know, it just turns yeah. into noise. Yeah, we want to deal with people. Well, you you bring up an excellent point because you and I could very easily be cerebral and you know borderline Aspergers or, you know, autism spectrum with someone who is so zeroed in and like laser focused on something and self-serious. I'm not saying that you're on the autism spectrum, (laughs) just approaching it with that level of single-mindedness. Oh, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Lance would say I'm on it 16 hours a day, you know, from Juniper Labs. But if you don't bring in the human component, uh, and remember to have some fun with this yeah. uh, and crack a joke once in a while. Don't take yourself so seriously. I love that you bring in that element because it really is what makes so much of this enjoyable. You, I, honestly, I, I think the most fun I have is when I'm at the bar at, yeah. at a conference, just standing <laughs> there chatting and laughing with my peers. I, I like building stuff, you know, and I like working on things. I used to write, I can paint, I can draw. Um, I've worked on cars and I'm so, I feel incredibly blessed right now. I have a hundred percent of my LLC. I have some shares with Fineo, some shares with Marble. Um, I don't with Smart Choice, but they've been such a cool tribe that's been good to me. You know, it's been really cool to be brought in-house. Um, mm-hmm. I feel so fortunate to be touching things I have equity in and to help build things with my friends, you know, and I'm very intentional about not overlapping and trying to find complementary projects. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a book, Angel by Jason Calacanis, that I would blame for some of this too, is about being an mm. angel investor. So, what I'm doing is kind of like a broke angel playbook, trading time and talent for equity. Um, but, you know, I've had some projects, you know, Juniper Labs sold to Next, and I was actually able to be their agent and go through that process, which is really cool. I mm. had a pet insurance startup that I was like, you guys are missing it. Sure, pet insurance is a small market, but what about the people who buy the pet insurance? This is a great leads opportunity. Unfortunately, they wound down. Um, uh, yeah, I consider myself a kind of broke angel investor, and it doesn't mean everything's going to work. You know, three of 10 projects will still be successful, but I love the fact that I can kind of drag my little stock options or whatever through the mud, you know, that I can put my hands on it and help it be successful. It's not just a ticker symbol, and I just have to send my money off and hope you know, for the best, it's like, no, I can get in yeah. there in the trenches and make some contacts and hopefully some calls and, you know, some meetings. I love it. I can help my teams win. You know, we, we rent. We're in Orange County. My wife just finished grad school. You know, there's part of it where I need a decent outcome just to buy dirt around here. So, there's definitely a competitive, you know, financial component to it too. It's not all, it's not all charity, but it's so fun building with people you like being around. You mean you're yeah. running a for-profit enterprise, Brent? You're, you're not a charity or a, you know, philanthropic <laughs> effort? My, uh, th- there's no trust fund that I've been known of yet. You know, there's a rental yeah. house and then my parents' house and I think they did decent on their savings. So luckily they're, they're, you know, um, I don't think anybody's coming to save me. You know, I was joking that my wife got that doctorate degree so now I will retire. Um, 
but yeah, she was in grad school. There was some pressure too these past four years when, when she's in grad school and I'm like cobbling together some incomes to keep lights on. Um, mm. You know, pressure's not a bad thing for an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's, Man, it's I balanced, forget who though. it was that said yeah. said this, and and I was living proof of it when uh, you know I was a farmer's agent back when our first kid uh, was was baking in the oven, and I saw a meme uh, back during that time was on Facebook, I think, and it said, "You have never seen desperation uh, like the man whose first kid is on the way, like a <laughs> self employed man whose first kid yeah. is on the way. Like there is there is no hustle." like the hustle of someone whose first kid is about to be born. Like it's a different, it's a different level entirely. I know everyone always says go full send, burn the ships, but I was bartending and stuff too. I had other ways to bring in money. Um, I would say don't, don't kill yourself, you know, don't pop, you know, have those fun conversations, have a quasi. Yeah. I always look at like legs to stand on, you know, I have three or four legs to stand on now. So it's really hard to knock me out, you know? Um, so, you know, whoever's listening, like by all means go hard, try to build something, but also like try not to pop and make sure you're having those ongoing conversations with your friends, keeping yourself upbeat, you know, take care of yourself and make sure you have people around you that bring you positive energy, you know? Love that, man. It yeah. It is, it's these kind of conversations that I find a little difficult to, to Larry King or, you know, or David Letterman, this thing, because <laughs> there are so many different directions that we could go in. Uh, how, let me do this. How does one decide how to align the vision and values with the, to use your terms, time and talent with someone like yourself? And there are so many of my peers that I, I know from being around them and from talking with them, they could be successful in any number of industries performing any number of roles. They're just the kind of person with the grit and the drive and the intelligence to be successful in just about anything they put their their attention to. How do you advise your peers and, and, and these startups too to align vision and values with those time and talent components to figure out what in the world are we going to do in this agency game? Because I think that's probably one of the more dangerous things is that there are so many different ways to craft your agency, even on the PNC side. There's dozens mm -hmm. of different ways to live out a PNC agency. How, how would you advise our peers uh, on selecting the best way to live out their vision and values? So for the record, again, um, learning as I go, you know, guinea pig, trying to pick up traits. You know, it's been really cool being around Smart Choice, being in these little shops that are profitable, seeing how people, different people make their way. I would say a lot of it's small business fundamentals in balance. Like don't try to be too cute and don't try to be, don't, you know, forget the fundamentals. You know, your, your chamber of commerce, your traditional networking events, your leads groups, your BNIs. You know, there's a reason why people have been able to make a living through those things for past 50, 60 years. I don't think they're going anywhere. But also, um, you know, why not, you know, lever up with technology a little bit? Why not, you know, reach a little further within your core competencies? And then I also think um, InsureTech's making it easier to do a few different things. You know, before, probably policy form, probably some sort of physical document, some sort of physical marketing material, it just would have been hard to hit a bunch of different categories. Um, but when we have these dashboards that can kind of intuit a few things, um, I think it makes it a little bit easier for us to be broad. 
and I would say with the way technology is rolling, I think the agent of the future is going to be more what we think of as a marketing rep, you know, identifying risk and translating life to insurance and insurance to life, but less of a, a you know, a data expert, a forum expert. Um, and I need to be better on the backside. I need to know my policies, you know, better and better. Um, but I would say just keep a balance, old school and new school. Um, do what would have worked for your parents and then do what would work for a 20-something to a degree as well. But it's funny to say it, stay in your comfort zone too. You know, you don't have to be everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn because I like it. Twitter keeps me entertained. It's kind of business and personal. I'll play around with Instagram. I haven't been on Facebook for a number of years just because it got too weird. You know, I wish I was. Yeah, I mean, there's some great groups in there. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not very good at dancing. Um, so, you know, kind of do you, you know, because um, yeah. it's a long game. You know, if you do it right, you're going to be around it for a long time. So, like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and it is one of those things. I, I, Started writing uh, my first book a few weeks ago, and I met with an advisor yesterday, and was just sharing thoughts of you know now that we've been doing this for a little bit. And one of the hard things for me is writing a book that is relevant five years from now, mm-hmm. because there is so much velocity in the way marketing happens. And if I'm writing a book that is very specific in certain mm-hmm. ways. You know, two or three years from now, it is really tired and irrelevant and out of date and nobody's going to want to read it anymore because the tactics are too specific and I end up disqualifying myself, you know, at some point in the future. When I was talking with my my mentor who's helped me uh, with the writing process and just sharing how difficult it is and in, a, in a good way, it's stretching me mm-hmm. in important ways to choose the words that will still apply five years from now, 10 years from now. If somebody picks up this book and reads it in 2032, are they still going to find something useful uh, and and applicable that they can take and implement in their business a decade from now? Or is it going to be lost to the sands of time? That's something that no one has any reason to pick up, you know, you know, three, four, five years from now. And that what you just said is is so thought provoking in that regard. It's play the long game. Don't get stuck on short game nonsense. You know, well, and there's Facebook a decade ago was a very very different animal yeah. than it is now. And there's always going to be a, a, a flavor of the week. There's always going to be a new novel solve. You know, I was talking. I do think embedded's a little bit different. But I was talking to Brian Falchuk about, you know, before I showed up, it was IoT, and then I showed up and talked about APIs, wrote an article or two, and helped out with reach, and then it was blockchain, and then it was our a robotic process automation, and now it's embed. Somebody's always going to have something that's going to change everything and kill everything, but you know, your fundamentals are going to always work. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, the book thing's fun. Just a plug of the insurance nerds guys are at publishing and distributing books. So if you get towards the end and you need help, you know, with the network, maybe bug Tony. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, and I commend you on working on that too. Uh, during, so I started some different groups during COVID. I tried to walk or jog at least a mile a day. And then I, I was kind of screwing off. My wife was in that grad program, so I'd cook. Uh, but I started messing around with the book idea too. Uh, it's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> So I commend you for working on that. You know, it's my, my, I'm not name dropping him yet because I don't have his permission. Uh, he is an extremely well known consultant. I would consider him to be on the Mount Rushmore of insurance consultants cool. nationally. Uh, but 
when I'm able to share his name, I'll be very eager to do so because it selfishly, it gives me a lot more credibility mm-hmm. uh, to be associated with him. He's a much, much bigger deal than I am. Uh, but he was asking me some of these questions and was like, why are you writing a book? Why, why do you want to do it? What is your goal, your desired <clears throat> outcome? And I said, after a little bit of, of time, a little bit of silence thinking about it, I was like, it, it's what you do. I'm yeah. writing it because it's what you do when you have reached a certain point of uh, of expertise in your field, when you have reached a certain point of, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my career. I found my thing. And once you find your thing and you have a certain amount of success doing that thing, it just seems to me that it's perfectly logical. Well, We'll write a book on it. Help your peers out. Who, whoever's coming behind you, who the next person who's trying to do what you're doing, well, your book can help them if you write it correctly with you know an abundance with a blue ocean mentality. It's a it's a very selfless thing to do because Lord knows in this day and age you're not going to make any real money writing a book. That's for sure. You know, you might find yourself getting more interesting invitations to uh, speaking engagements. There's some money in that if you play your cards right. But the actual act of writing a book and distributing it, you're not really going to make any money these days unless you're a mega publisher and you're sitting on the front shelf of Barnes & Noble or something. But you know, I, I don't know where you are in your process, but I've heard more than enough from you on various channels uh, to know that if, if Broker Brett writes a book, uh, I'm probably going to read it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, I, like you said, it's not the way you build an empire. Um, I wanted to originally write one that like would piss off sales managers, but salespeople would like, like kind of basically yeah. how to think for yourself and kind of get through the the maze or whatever. You know, like my first sales job is kind of heartbreaking when I realized I wasn't supposed to stick around. You know, real low base pay, heavily commission incentivized, and I realized all the business was basically going to like stay with the managers after you go through the wood chipper. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's little stuff like that. It'd be cool to help people navigate. And then um, I do feel like a a Paul Bunyan who's trying to learn how to wield a steam-powered axe. Like I feel like a sales guy that got dropped into startups. So I think writing about startups with a salesperson's perspective could be helpful as well. So those are the two. I kind of want it. My, my wife's like, oh, broker Brett, you know, sales to startups or something like that, where it's kind of like a balanced conversation, hmm. you know, for whatever it's worth, you know. So, but. So I I don't typically do this on on the podcast because it's just kind of different uh, to hand the mic over to somebody else. You are more than capable creating your own content, and you have your own podcast, and you've done you know plenty of stuff where you're sitting in the chair, the one asking questions. Before we started uh, recording, you asked me uh, if I was cool with you flipping the script and putting me in the hot seat in a little bit. Uh, is there anything in particular that you wanted to, to get into there or uh, can we just make this uh, a, a road to nowhere and pivot back to something else? Well, I, I don't know how your big how big your agency is and I appreciate, you know, you being willing to hand the mic over because, um, you know, you don't want to steamroll somebody else too when you're a guest. Um, you know, you even said you'd go for a walk with your team. Smart Choice is really helpful to the little guy and they have some killer agencies and the shops mm-hmm. I've worked with have been kind of one to four person small shops. And I've been through a couple cycles now of, you know, admitted and automated clients, personal, commercial, uh, life yep. insurance. I sold even actually a couple of group benefits when I was doing PNC at my buddy's benefit shop. Um, hmm. Where I'm struggling is past that five to 10 person office, past that. Well, I can kind of see 
how you get to maybe that three or four million dollar book or five. But what I'm curious about, if you have any thoughts on how to go basically from two to 10, that middle ground, yeah. you know, because everyone looks at the big shops and everyone knows the independent guys, but any advice you might have for kind of leveling up from that one to two person chaos to making a small business? Yeah. This is where I am. And I love the question, by the way, that is such an interesting conversation. We could have a whole podcast just talking on how do we go from success at you know, $800,000 in annual revenue. How do we get past that, the the lump in the snake, as my CFO calls it? Uh, we've engaged with uh, Don and Ro Polzinski at RD Advisory Group as our fractional CFO. They're fantastic. Um, we've had lots of conversations about the so-called lump in the snake being somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.5 to 2 million in revenue is where almost everybody stops. Um, because getting past that point requires a whole different skill set because it's easy to get to, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand, mostly by yourself uh, with a very small team. You know, Riskwell has done it faster than most. Uh, we started in April of 2019 and this is the beginning of our fourth year. We're a month into our fourth year. That's awesome. Uh, we have seven people on the team. And uh, in Q3 of this year, we'll, we'll pass a million in total revenue on an annual basis. Congratulations. And, <laughs> thanks, man. Really yeah. excited about that. We'll end 22 about 1.2 million in revenue. Uh, but we've already experienced that so-called lump in the snake. Uh, the best advice that I can give you just from the assimilating of other other people that I listen and respect to, uh, and you know, reading a bunch of books and just having deep thought, having that time sitting in a coffee shop, you know, pondering these more complex topics, is and this is going to sound a little cliche. You have to act big before you're big in order to ever be big. Uh, I think one of the most important things is recognizing that second in command position that COO, to use EOS or traction terms, you know, that integrator to go along with the visionary that most CEOs are visionaries, you know, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, etc. Um, I think if you're not really, really good at offloading stuff from your plate as the executive uh, and trusting other people to take important things, critical things, but trusting them to do it and do it well and not micromanaging them like delegating and then cutting them loose to do their thing in your operation and focusing on being the chief executive as quickly as possible. Uh, a, a little plug for Jennifer on our team. I don't know if she's still listening to this podcast. Uh, she did when she was at her last shop, uh, but she started on May the 1st and I basically said, I'm going to try to replicate as much of myself in you as humanly possible. I'm going to give you more bandwidth than you're comfortable with. I'm going to give you more authority than you're comfortable with. And I'm going to try to remove myself from the day-to-day -day operating of our commercial department as much as I can. I'm still going to take the, the whales. I'm still going to prospect for the, the big accounts and go after channel partner relationships. But day-to-day -day, ground floor commercial, I want you to do as much of that as humanly possible so that I can be more of a CEO and do more of that executive stuff that's going to help us grow. So, uh, we, we hired 
seven people in three years, what that looks like is year one, it was one person and then two towards the end of year one. Then we hired three in year two and three in year three. Uh, and here we are. Uh, now we'll ha- probably do three or four in the next 18 months, probably two in the next 12 months, but probably four in the next 18. And then at that point, we're going to have to figure out how hard we want to push the gas pedal because we'll be 10 or 11 team members. We'll be probably close to two and a half, if not 3 million in revenue 18 months from now. That's awesome. Uh, Congratulations. Is that that useful for your question? I know that was a long-winded answer. No, no, because it's... It's funny. It's easy to kind of find those one-man bands, those talented people with a couple of people drafting behind them. And then it's easy to see the big private equity shops and where it's all just numbers and folding on top of each other. But that that middle ground has me really curious, you know, what maturing, what, you know, activity needs to take place. Because I'm, I'm a middle child, a little bit of pleaser, get along with everybody, not used to asking for help. So the thing I'm going to have to work on just not touching everything, you know, like you're saying, learning how to like, once the bandwidth is there to offload and, you know, find somebody you think can run, you know, hard enough, fast enough, but I look forward to it. You know, I think you're doing it, you know, you're, you're in Texas, you know, agency freedom podcast. I love touching all the projects. I love being part of the startups. I think at the end of the day, if you can kind of be living off your own shingle, that's the dream, you know, and then choosing to do other stuff. And I, I would choose to work at the companies I get to work with hands down. Uh, but, you know, congratulations. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. My my timeline is I think the 28th of this month. I kind of, it's funny to say it, like, you know, lost that job and was cut loose. So, been independent since, yeah, the 26th. So, going on four years of, you know, no W-2, which has been, you know, kind of fun and wild. Aren't, aren't you ruined? <laughs> yeah. you, are, you are completely spoiled and you can't ever go back and be a W-2 again. You know, right situation, I, I would say never say never, but it would be hard. It's been fun to kind of be let out and being able to stay free in the wild. It was interesting. So, I was 33 at the time. Uh, you know, when I first got into insurance, I applied to something like 60 jobs and got like a pay cut, personal lines role with the ability to network in a commercial. And it was a lot of money. It's like 43000 a year. Um, the agent kind of messed my paycheck or whatever. I moved on. Um, the second time I applied to like 70 jobs and I got like an assistant to an assistant offer and I got like a boiler room call offer. And both would have been great five, 10 years earlier, but at 33, I felt like I had a bet a little bigger. And that was when I decided just to kind of lever on the bartending. That's when Fineo came along and just try to stay independent. And I feel so fortunate, you know, not to circle back too hard, but without insurance nerds couldn't have done it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I, I stayed out on the wild, you know. Now, Allison uh, is part of my origin story. My wife, Allison, is largely responsible for me being an entrepreneur. Uh, she uh, basically said, you know, I, I came home from work one day when I was working a, a dead end, miserable, just awful uh, corporate job. And she said, look, you got to find something else. I, I love you, but I don't like you. You're not any fun to be around. And all this is in episode one of the podcast. So, if you've heard it, I'm sorry if I'll be repeating back. it. That's but, awesome. Uh, she, she basically said, you're not built for this W-2 thing. You have to go be your own boss. That's the only way you'll ever be happy if you have no one else to blame but yourself for the failures. And she's right. I'm not cut for W-2. And I, I will say never in that. I will never take a W two role again. I, I'm 100 percent confident of that. I, I don't. I don't think it's too bad. And knocking on myself to say 
at this point in my life and certainly moving forward, I would make an absolutely dreadful employee. Yeah. It would have to be a right I, I would make I would make my direct report want to cuss me. Yeah. Because I challenge everything. And the right people want that around though, too. I always say you need people close. Somebody always has to be able to call you a dummy. You know, you need true speakers in your life. I'm generally nice to everybody, so like I appreciate the people who kind of give me kind of direct, gruffy feedback. Um mm-hmm. So, kind of funny story around getting fired. So, my buddy recruitment at job was really rough. Wasn't what I expected. I ended up sleeping in for like two months. And then my two good buddies were like, what are you doing? But that two months of like no alarm clock was pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I'll I'll maybe throw out one last little nugget or something. We've got more time. But um, that day I got fired, I had Broker Brews, which is this local group that we've been doing for like five years now. And it was so cool just showing up being like, hey, guys. You know, basically got fired today. <laughs> just hang out, you mm. know, hang out with my friends in this community wow. that I built, this professional community, and they were really there for me. Um, yeah, that's a funny story. If we got another minute, I can kind of riff on build a local community too. Um, you know, the uh, we're going to have you back on another episode all right, all right. in a few months because I there's a whole separate <laughs> line of conversation that we could go down. Uh, we made a, a very full episode. We're right at an hour at this point with the bumper. So awesome for that. Uh, exactly as I thought. It was. It's an eclectic episode. We touched on a <laughs> lot of different topics. And I definitely think there's a second one in store uh, at some point in the near future if you're down for it. 100%, uh, man. I really appreciate getting to know you this way. And I appreciate the yeah. opportunity. What's uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you, Broker Brett? How do you like to connect digital, digitally? Uh, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Brett, B-R-E-T-T at BrokerBrett, you know, dot com is a good email to get a hold of me. I think LinkedIn, okay. it's backslash Broker Brett. Pretty sure on Twitter, um, you mm-hmm. know, it's Broker Brett as well. You've been consistent with your branding. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I've been lucky. I mean, it's a it's happy accident. It's definitely industry facing. The the last thing I'll say for all this kind of influencer stuff, whatever else, like the customers don't care. They want you to answer your phone. You know, they want good rates. Um, it's fun. You know, this stuff opens doors, but you know, you still got to yep. go sell the insurance. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. yes, you yeah. do. Well, hey, man, I'm going to drop all that in the show notes for anybody that wants to get a hold of you. Uh, as anyone listening can tell, you are down for a enlightening and lively conversation for sure. So, uh, Freedom Jumpers, that is the end of episode 59. Thank you again to my guest, uh, Brett Fulmer, a.k.a. Broker Brett. And this is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.